Hey guys, this episode of the podcast is brought to you by our new sponsor, DrainPour. Mike, did you hear that the Wall Street Journal suggested saving money by skipping out and buying breakfast stouts? No, man, I didn't hear that. Well, it's a true story. I read all about it on their new go-to site for craft beer-related news. That is DrainPour. They were the first to report that brewing jobs are in danger of being replaced by artificial intelligence, which a week later turned out to be true. And... Um, DrainPour is a brand new uh, website, brand new Instagram follow. Um, they report only on the serious news in the craft beer industry. Um, I heard this from an, uh, my old bottle share buddy. I met him online um, at a beer release, and he, he kind of sent me the link. So visit DrainPour.beer, DrainPour.beer to stay up to date on the latest happenings in the craft beer community or follow them on Instagram at DrainPourBeer. Very informative. Very sophisticated. That is drain poor beer. Hi, this is Adele Berte, and you're listening to Verbal Shenanigans. But our shenanigans are cheeky and fun. Yeah, I mean, his shenanigans are cruel and tragic. Which makes them not shenanigans at all, really. Evil shenanigans. I swear to God, I'll pistol whip the next guy that says shenanigans. Hello, everybody. Welcome on back. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to our our living room of audio, if you will. You're sitting in the room with Mike Berlu, Scott Brennan. If there, I could have a fire on right now, and I could join you. Uh, we got blankets. We got recliners. That's the kind of experience I am trying to create for the audience. You're sitting in your recliner as I rub your feet. Mm. That's our podcast mm. in a nutshell. I can't wait till... Sometimes you could look up the stats on the podcast and how long people retention. Like, do they make it all the way through the episode? That's it's going to be like fourteen seconds. You know, <laughs> Mike, welcome. Brandon, stop telling what you're going to do to people, Mike. We're coming off. Uh, we're keeping. I think we're coming off a pretty hot year so far. I don't think coming off is the right term, but we're we're starting the year off pretty hot. You know, Mixmaster Mike Perez Hilton, uh, George Thurgood. I still get people like you interviewed George Thurgood. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Dave Wimbish last week was great. So. Uh, Monster Mike Todd was fantastic. So this year has been Absolutely. been been very good, and and today today will be no different. Now I can't tell you our content will be any good, but our interviews mm. are top notch. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It, we it's like uh, the old school like Nickelodeon shows where it's like there's a cool prize, but you gotta like dig through a vat of Jello to get to it. Yeah. The the, <laughs> the prize is that interview but like it, it's double dare you gotta stick your hands up that big plastic <laughs> nose and grab that flag if you want it that's a great okay? metaphor our um it, it, it's funny because we're i don't even know what i was just gonna say i just completely lost it but there you go there's the, there's a the content oh i was gonna say our sweet spot is the 30 minute mark you know right when the interviews generally start here on on the show but um See, that's why i feel like midway through this year if we keep on this hot streak we got to switch things up because, like, people will directly go to the 30-minute mark, so they'll go there, and it's like, aha, 
We found you. Yeah. Now you're going to listen to our stupid stuff now. <laughs> I ain't telling you where I put this interview. Yeah. I always love trying to, like, as we try to promote the podcast or, like, get onto n- different networks and stuff. They're always like, well, what is it about? Well, I'm like, we'll bring on a really interesting guest, you know, and we talk to them. And they're always like, oh, cool, cool, cool. We name some of the guests we had. And then we're like, and then we do, and that's always the hardest part to describe for me. I'm like, then we do... um witty banter about things and play play stupid games and they're always like yeah 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 oh cool cool oh, yeah you oh. guys seem really interesting can you go back to the other thing for a minute <laughs> no 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 banter they're like tell me about so, the mark summers and the uh perez hilton please no 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 see there, there's this time that i told scott I'd like melting ice yeah and that went on for like 20 minutes yeah and re- reappeared like five times in different episodes so. yeah mikey it might- make sense why it pops up but Mike, no. you might notice I have a um, a battle wound on my face. Ooh. Yeah. Um, I got, you know, my pale Irish skin really accentuates it. So I have like really big red lines. It looks like you have, there's two dots, one above and above. So it looks like you have a division sign tattoo on your face. Maybe I do. Tattoo- is that a new thing for teachers? It's like, yeah, this is how much I love math. Maybe I'm going with like the the new like gen gen z thing like face tattoos like a mumble rapper just get a division sign because there's worlds divided yo i'm just trying to bring it together you're my post malone there that's, scotty that's but continue right. with your story no um once again um you know i gotta walk around today and, and here what the hell happened to your face um you know 50 to, i think the worst part of getting some kind of scratch or something is not the pain it's not the uh looking in the mirror and seeing it it's describing what happened to people 55 times in, in the first day like okay this is the story blah 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 that's not very exciting mm. i mean it could be but i kind of had the opposite if you recall where uh my shower door ah yes one day you down. came with a pretty significant battle wound to the podcast yeah and it basically almost took my eye out and uh i had a bat- pretty decent battle scar first question didn't come till about twelve twenty that day so it was almost like <laughs> like i was going into it like great i had to explain to everybody and then like three hours in i was just like mofo somebody <laughs> talk to me someone t- someone asking me, me about my mantle face you know yeah. like, i know. just rip off the bandage look at this and listen to this story uh, mike would you like to guess what happened to my face would you like to guess what happened to my face i am going to guess i mean i seems kind of obvious i'm gonna go with obi uh, let's see what the survey says. Survey says Obi. And eh. oh, not Obi, oh. not Obi. Sorry, uh, Team Berlu now gets the board again. Oh, well, wouldn't the other team get to guess if you got it? Yeah, right? but you just wouldn't I be well, on Team? Berlu? You were t- you were Team Mike. Uh, there's one oh. of us. There's one of us here. So I got to split oh. t- split you into two. Oh, lucky audience. <laughs> um. <laughs> Uh, I am going to then guess some kind of um, working around the house, like a tool or something like that. Good answer. Good answer, answer, Mike. Let's check the board. Borden says working, yard work. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let's go back to Mike. Mike, you have a chance to take it here. Oh man, the other team's tough. They took all the good answers. Um, uh, 
I am going to go with getting out of your car. I don't know. Getting out of my car. <clears throat> Sorry. Let's see what they said as he just walked into the room creepily again behind uh... me. My son, yet again, Mike. Um, yesterday, I'm I'm wrestling around with him, playing that I'm sleeping. You know, the whole like, oh, you can't wake up, Dad. He's like, get up. Get up. Get up. And he jumps onto the back of my head and goes, get up. And he grabs my cheeks. And he just latches onto my cheeks with his razor blade talons. Kids' fingernails are like made of uh, what is it, adamantium. Um, they oh. literally he just sliced my face, and it wasn't bad. It looked okay. And then this morning I woke up and it looked horrific. You should join a, a Dexter fan group because that's what he used to do to all his victims. Remember, he would do a little slice to collect their blood. And ah, I, I, never, I never watched Dexter. I always uh, was oh. told to watch it, but I never... Oh, then, uh, spoiler. Oh, spoiler alert, he scratches faces. Oh, no, how can I yeah. ever yeah, the, watch? Yeah, yeah I, I won't tell you about the murder part, but keep in mind, he scratches people's faces. <laughs> yeah, oh, he, that, <laughs> Six seasons, everybody's like, what the hell is wrong with this Dexter <laughs> This guy? show sucks. <laughs> He just goes around and goes, and then runs down the street. (laughs) The credits roll. (laughs) The cops are like, we got to investigate this? (laughs) Can I go over to, like, CSI? No. (laughs) So, yeah. Anyway, Mike, you look look refreshed. You look... you not not very tan. Um, I expected maybe a little yeah. little base coat, you know. But I guess you're kind of pale too, you know. Uh, you're back. You're back from Cali. You're back from Disney West, as they call it. How how are you feeling? Are you feeling ready to go? Ready to take on the podcast world? Uh, motivated in life again? It was a good vacation. I I will say that. Um, I we met up with some friends. We had a few days. Over in San Diego, went to some breweries, went to Sky Falconry, got to experience that. And we'll get to that over. in just a second. Yeah. Okay. Um, went to Disneyland. Um, it was different. It was a pleasure. Um, <clears throat> I mean, they have a few different rides than uh, the Disney World, so it was fun. Uh, people were very nice and talkative. Like we were at some fireworks show we were sitting down somebody's like hey can are those seats taken and we're like yeah join us at the table we were chit-chatting while watching some fireworks Um, so you didn't try to kill a lady on oxygen with an oxygen tank this time well i never attempted i I gave her a look you gave her a little 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 squeeze in the tube just yeah I mean, I mean, I'm no vicious Shay like you have over there. I didn't grab her by the cheeks and cut her or anything. But. <laughs> you scratched her cheek a little bit. <laughs> Just remember. And that's why I had to go to California. Florida already banned me. Yeah. I'm curious. Um, California Disney World or land, whatever. Di- uh, Florida Disney World. Where do you get the which one has more disgusting people? Like with the scooters and the turkey legs and the oh, Florida hands yeah. down, yeah. The the best way Florida is the world destination, <laughs> yeah. In that scenario, so that's why you get every sort of the Disneyland is mostly Californian, yeah. so that's why they're more like laid back. Yeah, about they stuff. take care of themselves. 
Yeah. So, I mean, that's a good experience there. I didn't, uh, I mean, there were scooter people out there, but not at the masses <laughs> like it is in Florida. No <laughs> scooter people. Yeah. Um, so you, uh, well, I did want to get into this. You went back to one of our former guests, uh, mm-hmm. Sky Falconry, which ironically enough, just this past week was five years ago. We interviewed them and in typical verbal shenanigans fashion, we, uh, we interviewed a falconry, which is cool enough, but we combined it with this, the singer of the rap song Informer, which was huge for a long time. Like boom, boom, down, uh, snow. <laughs> so yeah. we back then we just literally stuck anything random together and thought it was a great idea. Yeah, natural combination right there. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, we went up there. Um, we went there with our friends. Uh, I almost kind of feel bad as a heads up to anybody who does it i'm gonna highly recommend it as we go through the story of doing that make sure you have four-wheel drive because there is literally a good two mile stretch on a dirt mountain in california okay um like you, you you're not gonna die or anything but uh needless to say if you think you're like oh i'll take my hyundai up there you might not make, not, not make it up there. there. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So let's give a little insight what we're talking about. So this is a place that, what is it? Is it a more of a bird exhibit? Do, um, like, tell, give us the experience here where you go. So we, we meet them up in like an open field, beautiful um, view of the California mountains and the, ocean you like you could see from miles on end it's a beautiful scene up there <clears throat> and uh they'll sh- they show up they they uh come down in like a minivan and they'll they had four birds there they had two hawks and two falcons that they bring out and you know they i don't know how you explain but they like tie them to their little uh seats or whatever that they put out there for display so you can look at them and give you a bunch of bird facts and stuff like that so so they come in a white minivan and they tie the birds to seats so far this is sounding awesome yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. like i'm gonna say i'm like yeah that's exactly how i see it in my brain and, um, but uh after they go through like showing the birds going over different facts about falcons and hawks and stuff like that then they're gonna give out everybody a, a big uh, industrial glove it's going to look like a welder's glove it's used for falconry and um we basically the 12 people can do it at the same time they more people can show up to watch but 12 people can do the actual falconry and you get in a big circle and they take out the birds and they literally show you like how to hold your hand and stuff like that and uh the the bird sadly wasn't Danny Glover. It was uh, his name was his name was Hey Duke. So um, so it'd just be like somebody across the way has the bird, and it's like all right, it's my turn. It's, I go Hey Duke and have my hand out, and the bird swoops in, comes low, comes up high, lands on my hand. It's like a beautiful piece of nature on my arm. I just swing it around to make sure that he's pointing to the next person. They go Hey Duke flies around so you, and goes you're there. basically passing the bird back and forth to each yeah, other it's like a doobie 
Uh, <laughs> with, I mean, I, that's what I thought we were doing, but no, they brought out birds. So two things and, here. Two things here. Um, one, we should probably explain to the audience um, when you go, yeah, it wasn't Danny Glover, but it was a bird mm-hmm. named Hey Dude. They probably think... All right, this guy's com- <laughs> completely <laughs> shot. Um, <laughs> I'm too old for this shit. They're passing Danny uh, Glover back and forth. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, just if you go back to that episode, which was a great episode, both Sky Falconry and Snow were great interviews. Uh, we were jokingly talking about bird names, and I believe it was your joke, Scott, where he's like. Do you, do you ever just like mess up and give it a bad bird name? Is there a bird out there named Danny Glover? <laughs> and it's just been our running theme. Yeah. Anytime we talk about Sky Falconry, I hope I see Danny yeah, Glover. Just, there. just also Danny Glover, the verbal shenanigans bird was there. Yeah. Um, yeah. The other thing you should probably explain to people, or or I want to clear up when you had the bird, were you tempted to like rub its chest and call it a good boy? Um, and treat it almost like one of your dogs. Um, no, considering they basically said, yeah, these <laughs> only weigh like two pounds, but at the same time, they can give Kill off you. like 400 pounds of pressure <laughs> in their talons. And yeah. they kind of talk about like, like a part of the explanation is how, like, as we talked with them on the podcast was their part of their life is teaching these birds how to hunt. So they talk about like, having like big jackrabbits around yep. and, and having the bird come after it and on. They do like the right things or whatever. They don't just let the bird just like gnaw it or anything like that. They make sure to dispose of it and only give it certain parts or whatever. But um, yeah, for lack of a better term, I knew I had a killer on my hand. It's So it's just like, this is awesome. Go to the next person. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> I was hoping you would show up to today's podcast with scratch wounds on your face, but <laughs> but you know apparently it's it's me. Yeah, apparently yeah, I have. Don't like huggies. Apparently I have the uh, the deadly the deadly beast in the in the in the house. But yeah, and uh, the other two parts there part uh, you get to see them kind of like hunt. So what they do is they give you like a, a dead bird paw, and you can throw it in the air and you see them like jump up in the air to catch these um these um bird paws for like a better term and also that's kind of cool and then there's also a part where they have you put your cameras out and like there'll be one person be on the side and they'll and they'll be in the back of you and they'll call the bird so you can have like a picture of a bird like literally flying at your face. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, I wonder I wonder if that's ever gone wrong once or twice before. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody sneezes, no! <laughs> That that sounds pretty cool. Now, Mike, you recently fl- you, you flew a falcon. Um, mm-hmm. You had a cat. You had three dogs. You contemplated a ferret at one point in your life. Um, but I'm I'm curious, like, you know, is it legal to own a falcon? Do you, ah. Did they did they did they get into that? At they all? are specially licensed mm-hmm. to do this. They're not. They literally say that we are one of the few, like, full licensed people to do this where they can allow you to hit they say there are like dark marketplaces where some 
Yeah. Dude just caught a bird, and he's like, oh, yo, 20 bucks, uh, I'll yeah. have the bird fly on you. Yeah, yeah. Burloos, dark market birds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, baby, yeah. So well, come I, on in my alley here. I got a parakeet here. He's going to fly at you. I have a quick little game for you. Um, Ooh. So... Um, you're going to hear about some animals that are allowed in specific states. Um, you're going to be given three animals, Mike. Okay. Okay. You have to decide what animal is allowed, what animal is not allowed, and which animal is allowed only with a special permit. So, Ooh. okay. So you have to decide. You have to get all three right. Okay. You got to place each one in the right category. All right. Gotcha. Um. I don't really know what wins the game, but let's say there's five questions. You got to go. You got to go at least three for five to to to, to win. You got to go above okay. five hundred. Okay. All right. Here we go. So I figured we'd start in the state of California. Oh. Okay. Um. So again, you got to tell me what's allowed, what is banned, and what is allowed by special permit. Okay. So your three animals, Mike, are a capuchin monkey. A capuchin right. monkey, <laughs> Guadalupe fur seals, Guadalupe fur seals. <laughs> That's a thing? Oh, yeah. And an American bison. And an American bison. So, um, one more time, American bison, Guadalupe fur seal, and a capuchin monkey, Mike. Where are you going with this? Okay. I f- bison is basically a cow, so I should fathom... That is legal. So I'm going to go with that one. You can own one. Okay. So I'm down with to the monkey and the seal. Man. Oh, the Guadalupe fur seal. Let's let's be very, yeah. let's be very mm-hmm. specific here. Yeah. I feel with the Pacific Ocean and everything, I think they're very much into like sea life down there. So I think that's one you can't own. So okay. I'm going to say the first seal you can't own, the monkey you can own with a license, and the bison you can just own. Okay. Bison allowed, banned, first seal, special permit, capuchin monkey. Let's check the board. Correct, Mike. One for one. one. That is right. In California, you know, you get your dog, your cat, and you get a a nice big old bison for the backyard, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Guadalupe first seal, that's a big that's a big no no. No 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 no. And then by special permit, you are allowed a capuchin monkey. I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, but uh monkeys also frighten me. So there's I no- could try, but we know that'll be wrong too. So would you um you know, after each three I wanted to get your take on which one you would you know, you got three dogs. Mm-hmm. In three dogs now, you know it's like it's a it's crazy over there in the burglar house. Which one are you going to add add to the mix? I'm probably going to go illegal and get the seal. Like <laughs> first seals just sounds right. Uh, I mean, you, you jokingly when I got the third dog talked about, there's too much crap in your backyard. I right. can't fathom what a bison would do to my backyard. <laughs> It right might keep there. the lawn nice and trim, though. I imagine, Don't they graze? Do they graze? I don't even know if they graze. I don't even know. Yeah. And monkeys, I mean, I I just got a weird feeling about monkeys. I mean, I, I told this story in the podcast before. I worked with the person. I didn't know her, but I worked with the person who got her face eaten off by uh, a gorilla. And um, 
or some kind of. I think it was a chimp, monkey. right? A chimp. A chimpanzee. Yeah, yep. a chimpanzee. Wasn't like the owner giving it wine and stuff like that. I don't know the full story. I know she like. For I mean, for what I heard from people who knew her, like she kind of talked about she was going to Massachusetts with a friend, and I don't know if like the, the chimpanzee conversation was in there, but for what I understand, it was just it was working well, and then one day it just said, ah, "I'm going to try this to you." And, now, uh, now, how are you planning to keep the fur seal alive? Like, you're going to have a nice little swimming area for it. <sighs> I mean, because it needs some water, Mike. I mean, I got a hot tub in my bathroom, so I mean, I I guess I just put on the cold water. I, I mean, between the hot tub and the, the giant rolls of toilet paper in there, like it, it's heaven it's for that party, seal. Scott. Yeah. <laughs> Georgia's the hanging place, man. <laughs> All right, did you ever get those uh, toilet papers installed yet? No, no, I that's, can't wait. That'll probably be next month. So. All right. All right, let's go to another state you're very familiar with, um, the state of New York, the state of New York. So now we're going across the country to the Big Apple. All right, Mike, here are your three animals. Um, African rock python, an African rock python. Okay. A capybara, a capybara, if you know that. It's like a giant rodent. You might as well look up a picture while you're... Yeah, I'm going to need that. Yeah, and then feline hybrids. Feline hybrids. Um, so those are your three animals. Capybaras are pretty cool looking. They're like rodents, but they're huge. They're almost like kangaroo looking in a way. Oh, there they are. Yeah. <laughs> oh, see, Mike, did you hear? Did you guys? Did you guys hear that all in his voice? That is, yeah, I would get one. I would probably <laughs> pet one. Yeah, well, that's the answer <laughs> at the end of this quiz. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting a capybara. There's no question about that. All right, all right. African all right, rock so python, capybara, and feline hybrids mixtures. Okay, um, I am going to say, I, for what I recall of New York, they're not the biggest fan of In New York, get yourself a cappy bad. <laughs> that was a weird lyric in that song, it was weird. Yeah. And then Jay-Z yeah. came in, that song never made sense. Um, uh, so I'm going to say the uh, pythons are going to be illegal. I'm going to say the capybaras are special license, and I am going to say the feline hybrids are legal. All right. So you said hybrids legal, pythons banned, capybara special permit. Let's yep. go to the board. Mike, two for two. Oh, look at that. Jetta, this guy has re- – this is – you know what? I didn't think about this, but you probably know this information. You're probably like, where can I have a pet capybara yeah. if I, in this Rem- country? Scott, remember when I was looking for a job? There were certain <laughs> criteria. I, I wouldn't mind moving to California, but you guys got to lift the first seal ban, okay? I'm not going to go over there and be like, I got to go to the zoo to see my first seals. <laughs> All right, Mike, two for two. Absolutely killing it. Let's go to a state you're very familiar with. I'm very familiar with New Jersey. New All Jersey. Right. New Jersey. Jersey. Okay. So your three animals are a pangolin, a pangolin. Pangolin. Yeah, remember they they, they thought COVID nineteen might have started from a pangolin at, at some point. An ostrich, an ostrich, 
Okay. And a turquoise fronted parrot. A turquoise fronted parrot. He's only turquoise in the front, apparently. Hmm. Yes. So I'm looking at a pangolin right now. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 They're they're uh, crazy looking. It looks like a bird that it looks like a Pokemon. It like, does. It, looks it like, does. Like a rock bird of some sort <laughs> looking at it. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised if Pangolin translates to rock bird in some other language. <laughs> <laughs> there should also right. be like a metal band called Pangolin. And there should be. Yeah. Right, so the Pangolin. Pangolin uh, ostrich, turquoise fronted parrot. He's closing his eyes. He's getting deep in thought. He's remembering what he read when he was moving. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Trying to think New Jersey laws like New what Jersey. would they be weirdly anal about? Okay. Is New Jersey gonna be tight like New York or is it gonna be a little looser? What what are we gonna do here? <clears throat> All right. So I'm gonna say we they ban the pangolins. You can have the uh the what's the parrot was it? Turquoise fronted parrot. The turquoise fronted parrot, you can have that. And I'm going to say special license for ostriches. Okay, so just to review, you said ban the pangolin, uh, allowed the turquoise-fronted parent, and you special permit can get an ostrich. Yes. Let's go to the board. All right, Mike. You were right in a way. Okay, you can have an ostrich. You can have a turquoise-fronted parrot. However... Only by special permit can you have a turquoise-fronted parrot. Ostriches, really? fair game here in New Jersey, apparently. You can just have, your, have yourself a nice ostrich in the backyard. What does this parrot do specifically <laughs> that I have to go to the government <laughs> for this? Like, seriously, I'm... Is it like extra big parrots we're I, talking about? It can't be bigger than an ostrich. Maybe it's uh, endangered or something, or I don't know, unique species. Um, all I know is the amount of time I went looking on this weird website <laughs> was preposterous how long I read about different animals. I mean, just fathom this. Something happened <laughs> in New Jersey yep. where some lawmaker said, that's it. I'm going to allow this, but you're going to need to get a piece of paper. Yep. For and I can't even the story. I can't even figure out if it was a Republican or Democrat. It's like, it doesn't make sense on either side of the the panel. <laughs> well, Mike, you're two for three. You had your first stumble. You were close. You were close. You you had the right pew. What is it? Uh, no, right church, wrong pew. You were there. Yeah. You were there. All right. All right, Mike. But you, you're down to two. You're down to two. You can you can mess up I'm on still one. Good and, though. I mean, I just need one to win the series. So. Yeah, that's it. That's it. It's a five game series. It's a five game series here, and you're. I don't know what you are when you win this. You're two the, and one. You're the yeah. animal champion of the world. I, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so, Mike, we're gonna we got to go down to a place you're very familiar with again. Uh, oh. The state of Georgia. The state All of right. Georgia. Okay. Now, um, you, I'm sh this. This is where I was skeptical because I feel like you probably definitely have researched this state, okay, um, on what you're going to have. So here we go, Mike. Uh, before you answer, by the way, side note: I don't take any of the three from the last quiz. I'm not getting a, a rock bird and a pangolin. I'm not going to have a big old ostrich. Hmm. 
I, my favorite thing in New Jersey was old school Great Adventure, where you could drive through the safari, and then when the ostriches come, just like flick the windshield as they peck at it, wanting to bite you. That was always a fun time. And no, I'm not a parrot guy, so I'm not getting that weird parrot. All right. All right. Well, I would take the rock bird. Why not? <laughs> Why not? All right, Mike, Georgia. Yep. Your three animals are a black bear. All right. A black bear. A manatee. A manatee. And a water buffalo. A water wow. <laughs> buffalo. That's a three somewhere. <laughs> that's, that's a good three right there. Okay. Okay. So, water buffalo, manatee, and a black and bear. Black bear. Yep. Okay. Uh, okay. 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 Now, just okay. think about the possibility of one of these animals coming home with your three dogs. Hmm. Yeah, Mike. It, I mean, it's only a matter of time before your wife's like, "Oh, it, it's so cute." I mean, come on, come on. Let's bring the let's bring the manatee home, or the water buffalo would really get along. We could name the water buffalo after Star Wars. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. What do you got? So I think I got. I'm going to say water buffalo is um, it's legal. Okay. I'm gonna say black bear with a permit, and I'm gonna say you can get a manatee. You can't get a manatee, or you can get you a can. Okay. Yeah the the water buffalo is a no. The black bear is with permission, and the manatee is go for it. So you can get a manatee. Correct. Okay. All right, Mike. Let's go to the board. Here we go. This is where I probably should put in like buzzer noises, but I won't because I'm not going to listen to this before we throw it out there. Yeah. But much like our listeners, yes, uh, Mike. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. In Georgia, you can have a water buffalo. <laughs> mm. <laughs> you cannot nope. have a manatee, and with special permit, you can have a black bear. Okay, okay. I flipped the two, right? You did. There. You did. did. That's why that, that's why I asked you because I was like, oh crap. Like I I couldn't say I couldn't hear if you said can or can't. And I'm like, oh, he got it. And no, he didn't. He didn't get it, folks. Mm. The fans. I should have known the Yeah, man man tease a water thing. It seems like most states are against like water things. Yeah. <laughs> Where did that come I've, from the ocean? Uh, you uh, put that back. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's how Brian Kemp won the election. He's Stacey Abrams wants you all these people to have manatees. <laughs> all right, Mike, this is your chance. You either lose or win here. All right. Mm -hmm. We got to go to Florida. We have to go to Florida. I can't fathom what the animal that Florida won't allow is. <laughs> yeah, I, I could bring up the list maybe possibly after this of what's allowed. It's outrageous. <laughs> uh -huh. um, yeah. All right, so your your list here is cheetahs acquired before August twenty seventh, two thousand nine. <laughs> so you need a nice fifteen year old cheetah, you know, fourteen year old cheetah, um, a komodo dragon, okay. or an old world badger, an old world badger. Oh, now I gotta Google that thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yep. So again, that's cheetahs acquired before August twenty seventh, two thousand nine. So if you had you got a cheetah on August twenty eighth, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's allowed. Maybe it's not. Maybe that's when they are allowed. I don't know. A Komodo dragon or an old world badger. It, it brought up European badger. I, I'm guessing. I it's guess, the I guess same that's thing. him. I guess that's him. Listen, I was on like government websites today, like going on a deep dive <laughs> of what's allowed here. Okay, this is it, Mike. This is for for the the animal cup. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. I am going to say no to the badger. Can't own a badger. I'm going to say the special age cheetah. <laughs> you need a permit. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like an item on a menu at a fancy <laughs> restaurant. The special age cheetah. <laughs> we smoked the cheetah for 72 hours straight. It's filled with goat cheese. It's amazing. <laughs> okay. And the kimono dragon you can own. All right. So once again, let's let's just review what you said. So you can have um, a, a kimono dragon. You cannot have a cheetah. And by a special permit, you can have an old world badger. All right, Mike, let's go to the board. By special permit, you can have an old world badger in Florida. What? You can have a special permit. So oh. you're, you're doing good. You're doing good. Okay. Okay. What is banned? Is a Komodo dragon? What? <laughs> what is allowed? <laughs> Is cheetahs acquired before August 27, 2009? Mike, I am so sorry. You are not the winner of the <laughs> exotic no, animal no. cop. This badger was August 28th of 2009. You can't have it. It's too dangerous here in Florida. <laughs> we can't. We allowed those young cheetahs to run around. Look what happened. <laughs> let me uh, let me go through some animals real quick in Florida here. Um, so what is allowed? Button quails, canaries, chinchillas, cockatiels, doves, ferrets, gerbils, hedgehogs, guinea pigs, hamsters, honey possums, <laughs> sugar gliders, lovebirds, moles, shrews, minor birds, parrots, prairie dogs, rabbits, rats, mice, shell parakeets, squirrels, chipmunks, toucans, camels, llamas, wild horses, jungle fowls, pea fowls, reptiles, um, uh, reptiles that are not venomous, okay? With special permit, Mike, in, in, in Florida. African golden cats, hunting dogs, alligators, caimans, badgers, binturongs, uh, bobcats, cockerels, cassowary, Clouded leopards, uh, Duke langurs, dwarf crocodiles, European Canadian lynx, fishing cats, giraffe, okapi, uh, guanons, guerrera monkeys, honey badgers, howler monkeys, uh, Idris, Indian D holes, <laughs> langurs, uh, macaques, uh, celibus, black apes, ocelots, old world badgers, ostrich, potass monkeys, um, you, you get the point. Vervet monkeys, grivet monkeys, green monkeys, wild cattle, wild antelope, non-native hoofstock, wolverines, wolves, coyotes, and jackals. Class 3 permit needed for <laughs> ownership of these animals. How's that a real place, Florida, anymore? I do not understand. Side note, 
I looked up honey possum. That's what I'm going to start calling my wife. <laughs> He's that cute little thing. I need you after this podcast to go up to the bedroom and to be like, hey, I see you're a little. I see you're a little tired. You're a little tired, mm. but I know you're awake. Did I ever tell you you're my sweet little honey possum? You're my little honey possum, babe. You're just yeah, baby. You're right. just my honey I possum. I give my honey possum a little yeah. pie. You know yeah. what I mean? You know what they call me? You know what they call me? They call me the old world badger. That's what they. Call me. <laughs> That's I go way back. I got those moves, man. They're like, oh, these new kids don't do that stuff. You're an old world. <laughs> Let me show you some old world tricks. Um, anyway, this is the type of <clears throat> type of banter we were talking about that you probably yeah. don't want to listen to. This perfectly <clears throat> sets up our next guest. Yeah, I know. Just, that, yeah, just fits intertwined. Here comes here comes a real great segue. Um, mm-hmm. Our next guest, Mike, our guest on the podcast tonight. Um, judging by how much she's done in her life, she may have owned a old world honey badger or something or something like that. But she has done so many amazing things from working with Tears for Fears, Whitney Houston, writing books, being a musician, uh, being a film director. Um, she was one of those interviews that we just love here on the show because she just did. She does so much stuff and continues to do this stuff um, in her 60s. And she looks younger than me and Mike, by the way. Um, but uh, just such a fascinating person. Um, it, it, it's hard to give her like the one line. Like usually, like here's a guy from The Walking Dead. Here's someone who uh, played at Woodstock. She's done a little bit of absolutely everything. So um, <clears throat> just listen to her interview for a little bit of what what she exactly has done. But with her new book Twist, here comes the very funny, very interesting Adele Berte. Hi. Hey, Adele. How are you? I'm pretty good. Are you Scott? I am Scott, and that is Mike over there. Hi, Mike. Thanks for giving us. Thanks for giving us a few minutes here. Yeah, yeah, of course. What kind of verbal shenanigans are we getting up to then? I don't know. I guess that's going to be up to you. (laughs) Uh, The Irish in me had brought out the Irish. Yes, yes. (laughs) Adele, it's funny. It's um, like you know trying to. You know, every time we have an interview, we we do some background research and look up. Looking up background information of you is like, okay, this this woman has done a little bit of absolutely everything. There is <laughs> there is a very hard starting point to find with you because it seems like you have kind of dabbled in just about every form of entertainment over the years and have been successful in several different lanes. So I'm just curious, like. What was your what was your like your your first passion? Was it music always? Was it writing? Were you into acting as a kid? What what really got it going? Because it seems like you have experience in just about everything. <laughs> yeah, jack of all trades, mistress of none. I guess. <laughs> yeah, right. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I you know I I started out writing stories when I was a kid, but I think music really was was the uh, was the beginning for me because my grandmother played piano. And she was a brilliant stride player. She played in in um, speakeasies during the Depression to Jeez. support herself. Mm, yeah, that's cool. And uh, which was a very dangerous thing for a woman to do at that time. But she was a brave, a brave lady. And my mother was a dancer in in uh, musical theater in Cleveland. And so I grew up with music, and it really kind of served as a life raft through a lot of my childhood. You know, I could just 
get into the magical thinking of of songs or or books or poems and it really uh helped me evade some of the some of the darker things that i was going through as a kid you know yeah hmm. now when with all this art stuff like when researching you the first thing that popped up to me first woman one of the first women to work on the assembly line at ford motor yes, plant like yes. where does that come about was that like uh forget the music thing Ooh, car making <laughs> well you know the, you're not going to make any money in the in the late 60s early 70s um playing music uh, as a you know in cleveland ohio so of course i had to get a job and right. and um I met a woman who was one of the very first three women to work on the line at the Ford Motors. Uh, They had a huge plant in Lorraine, Ohio, and they had just started uh, hiring women. So a couple of my friends and I applied and they and they took us on. And because I was so short. (laughs) <laughs> they put me at the at the front at the front of the line where like these big econoline bands would come down in a big you know elevator and go on to the assembly line, and there was another guy that worked with me and he was a shrimp as well, and the two of us would like have to jump in these alternating shells of these econoline vans and run all the wires for the dome lights and the headlights you know through through the metal casings and snip them and because we were so tiny we we were able to get in and out of them quickly so you know? so what you're saying is like after workers rights came in and child labor was was outlawed you were like the next <laughs> the next layer after that like <laughs> no but I, I gotta tell you the union the, the, that union was so strong yeah that, you know and they really took care of us i have to tell you but you know the guys because we were the first women when we would walk into the plant it was like these we were walking into a, a, a you know san quentin it was like they'd never seen a woman before. Like, oh. <laughs> you know, screaming and yelling and whistling. It was really, uh, it was oh, quite God. funny. <laughs> you know, it's... and you you could get any drug in the world in that in that factory as well. All right. <laughs> so that's how the <laughs> Japanese beat us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yes, speed was uh, often you know on the agenda for people working on the line. You know, so. so. You know, reverbing, reverbing, going back to, to your, um, the music question, um, yeah. even, even checking out your, you know, your music through the decade is, it's extremely eclectic going from kind of punk new wave to, to backing Whitney Houston to, to all these different things and, and different styles. What was like your, when you first started making music, what, what kind of music were you into? Cause it seems like you also did a little bit of everything music wise. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I think initially the music that I really loved was soul music and R&B. Okay. Um, and I loved rock and roll, too. I mean, early rock, like, you know, the Shadows of Night and, you know, like Dirty Water and like all that funky, great, white, dirty ass garage band music that was happening mm, yeah. in the 60s was was absolutely brilliant. You know, also, you know, bands like the Kinks and um and the Rolling Stones loved all that, but I really loved soul music, and I really resonated with it a lot. So, when you got discovered, you got uh, Peter Lofner discovered you, and you start a mm-hmm. band, mm-hmm. and you're barely starting the band, and he passes away. Mm. Tell me about like how you got through that, because I'm kind of curious. Is just getting the business, getting exciting. The person who discovers you goes away. 
are you immediately derailed? Are you still like, all right, I got to keep the dream alive? What's going through your head? Um, well, you know, it was it was my first in-depth experience of of music because, you know, we were roommates for a while and he taught me so much about uh, rock and roll and playing guitar and the aesthetics of it, but also the dark side of it because he he was, you know, he was into alcohol and drugs and um, uh, I kind of went on that journey with him until I couldn't anymore because I felt very vulnerable, like I was I was getting sick from it. Mm. And uh, I was too young to have any cognizant uh, ideas about addiction and how to get out of addiction. And um, I didn't know how to save him. And he was on a trajectory that was very, um, he was a really sensitive guy. And a lot of the men in the Cleveland scene at that time, you know, we're talking like mid-70s, and the guys in the scene weren't very uh, open to women playing rock and roll. They were very macho. They were like, "Stay in your lane. This yep. is a this is the boys' town here." And um, go back and, to the Ford Mortar plan, okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, and Peter, he always helped women musicians. He was he was really egalitarian that way, and a lot of the guys were scornful of him for that. Um, and, you know, he had a feminine side, which was also uncool. Um, he was into glam rock. And um, so he had a lot of demons. And uh, when he died, it was just devastating for me because um, I, I I, just couldn't believe he died at 24 years old. Mm. And he was tremendously talented. I mean, Tom Verlaine from television thought he was one of the greatest guitar players. And that's saying a lot because Tom Verlaine, to me, was he was just the most innovative uh, rock and roll guitar player that ever lived, in my mind. So, um, yeah, it was pretty shocking. But we had always planned to move to New York. And when he died, I just said, I have to do it on my own without him. I have to carry on, you know. Yeah. And let me ask you, like you it's within your your books and in your writing about you know things that are going through the the nice easy childhood that you <laughs> you had <laughs> um you know you're you're coming we we know that you you were in foster homes and then out of all um, different places when I and when you get into this music industry and you lose someone so young like that does it feel like you never you're still kind of fighting to find like somewhere to land or, or, or somewhere comfortable or, or do you, had you dealt with your childhood at that point yet? Oh God. I mean, <laughs> it took me years of therapy to deal with my childhood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, you know, I think because I, I had experienced alternative realities like reformatories and foster homes. And uh, I worked in a veterans hospital for, um, mentally disturbed veterans for a while and so i was in all of these alternative realities and it really set me up for what i was going to experience when i landed in new york in 1977 because that was a society we created of misfits that came from all over the country and in europe right to create this new revolution of making art and music in new york that was really had never been seen before and and in part because there were so many women playing music making films writing doing theater and 
and it, on equal par with the guys. And um, and the guys were really cool about it. And it almost inspired them more because they they're like, well, if they're going to take all these <laughs> risks, we better step up, you know. So mm. it was really creative scene. It was just it was fantastic. Do you do you view yourself like in that era as a as a kid who had to grow up too fast or a kid who never really who had to grow up later because you're moving around so much and, and never really settling in? Yeah, uh, I I don't think I've ever grown up. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, but but uh, you know, it's funny because uh, I I I have gone through a lot in my life, and um, I I had to learn a lot about people along the way, and and finding, you know, learning discernment, learning who was good, who who I should hang out with, and who I should not hang out with. I mean that you know that's a big lesson to learn as. For adults too, you know, I, I still have to like employ discernment. But uh, no, it was it was rough, and um, I think magical thinking got me through a lot of my childhood. Um, but a therapist once told me, you know, magical thinking is great. It was a life raft for you when you were a kid, but if you go into a uh, you know, into a business meeting carrying a blown up life raft, people are going to think you're nuts. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you, know, you need to kind of grow up and, and realize, you know, how to operate in the world as an adult. And, and you know, took a lot of time for me to do that. And finally, I think I'm finally there yeah. in my 60s. <laughs> <laughs> Looking good for you, 60s. that out there. Thank you. You know, that's because I, I try to stay away from drugs and alcohol and, you know. Oh, oh, I should things. probably do that too. <laughs> oh, dang. <laughs> dang, I'm only 20. So, well, yeah. <laughs> listen, listen. Like, you know, hey, I had a lot of fun when I was in my 20s, you know. I, hmm. No judgments about what, what people want to do. Um, <laughs> that's for sure. I hear yeah. that. Yeah, now, yeah. Now, beans, you seem such a laid back person uh with life i'm kind of curious like you kind of brought the business side i mean when you work with people like whitney houston sandra bernhardt the culture club is, is it just as naturally as you are performing you make these connections and you work with them or is there an actual like networking process for somebody like you gee that's that's a hard one i mean i i tended to like when i started singing professionally and signing to major labels that's when i met people like jellybean who had me sing on one of whitney houston's tracks and you know it's people started to hear my voice um and and were attracted to that so i met a lot of people through through that exposure um uh, it, it always happened in unusual ways. Like, for instance, with Sandra Bernhard, I I went to see her at a comedy club in New York, and she she started heckling me, and I heckled <laughs> her back, and we actually became friends, you know, because I, of that encounter. I would tell you as a comic, that never happens. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> right, right. Uh, don't often happens. become too friendly with the hecklers, but, you know. You, you, you do stand you, up? I, I, yeah, 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 for a long time. Oh, yeah. okay. Oh, cool. Yeah. Great. Uh, where Where do you perform usually? A lot of Jersey, Pennsylvania, and then New York. Ah, but, oh, okay. You know, here up here yeah. in the in the East Coast here. Right, right. But, so when you, I'm curious, you know, being in the music industry for so long, mm -hmm. um, and your thoughts on the, on as far as the music industry now, like 
it, it to me it seems like it's a double edged sword. Like you, yeah, so many people can can find you now. It, music they can go back in time, find everything that you've ever done, and become an Adele fan. Uh, you Adele, not not the other Adele. Adele uh, yeah, I, I like to I like to call myself Adele the first. Yeah. <laughs> the OG. <laughs> the OG baby. Yeah, okay. and, and they go back and they could find everything and become fans and communicate with you. But then it's like it seems like there's you're not making much off of albums anymore and oh, God, it's no. all you know streaming's great to find find an audience possibly but you got to really mm-hmm. be out there touring and whatnot but I, but then you see like kate bush you know like with with, mm-hmm. her, with this song that's 30 40 years old and just blows up to be mm-hmm. the biggest song in the world so i'm curious how you view the music industry now since you've had so many decades of being able to do it and then also being able to sit back and and, and see where it is now Mm. Well, you know, it's it's interesting because when I was signed to major labels in the 80s, um, I had come from, you know, the post-punk, no-wave scene in New York where where women did whatever the hell we wanted to do. And then you get signed to a major corporate label in the 80s and they're like, we're going to, you have to do this, 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 you have to look like this, you have to, you know, and it was very homophobic and very sexist and so I didn't have a I didn't have a very good time no. when I was signed to the majors, right? Um, but I, I, you know, I feel I feel that uh, since digital music came into being, it's really robbed musicians of a living. Right. You know, musicians yeah. like me who could have made a living uh, can't make a living anymore yeah. on music. Like I, I still do music. I, I put a, a song out about six months ago and I'm putting another one out in April, but I don't, I'm not looking at it as a money thing. I'm right. doing it for love, you know? Yeah. Because, mm. that, you know you, that's what's so interesting, right? Like it, it's so cool for me to be go, able to go record my own stuff, put it out on the internet mm-hmm. in two seconds, but it's so, yeah, yeah it's so hard to, to turn a, turn a dollar from it. So it, it's an interesting concept. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, on Spotify, what artists make like point zero 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 one cent yeah. on a on one play. And meanwhile, they're taking all that money and they're giving million dollar deals to Joe Rogan. Yeah. You know? Yep. So so it's just it's it's so corrupt our system. It's just and, and I feel so bad for artists in our system because unless you're uber famous, you're not gonna make money. You have to do it for love, you know? Makes sense. Well, let me ask you about uh, the, uh, as I looked on your Wikipedia, it says uh, you refer to Playboy as your film school period where you got paid to learn the craft. Uh, you made the soft core comedy Secrets of a Chambermaid. Yes. That, there's got to be a story how it got to that. Oh, wow. This is what yeah. I'm talking about with her. It's like, oh, you worked in a car factory, <laughs> but oh, you worked for Playboy. You also sang with Whitney Houston, <laughs> and you have like four books out. Like, I, I'm trying right, to. Right, right. <laughs> well, check it out. You yeah. know, my friends refer to me as the lesbian Zelig. <laughs> Did you ever see that movie Zelig where no. he's like everywhere? Well, it's, it's hilarious. It's a Woody <laughs> Allen film. You got to check it out. Okay. But. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's it was uh, very interesting working for Playboy, you know, because I I had I had directed this little trailer for a movie I wanted to get going, and um, a producer, a female producer, saw it and she said, "Hey, I'm going to be working on this thing called Women's Stories of Passion for Showtime. Would you like to direct one of the episodes?" 
So I started directing these softcore episodes for this show. And then Playboy really liked what I was doing and they hired me to do that feature. So, you know, it was a really interesting experience because I wanted to do it from a women's point of view of what was erotic as opposed to like men watching it, you know. I mm. wanted women to be turned on by it. So, you know, I wasn't allowed to show uh, the back of a man's butt. <laughs> I mean, they, I wasn't allowed to show anything really? on men. They just wanted me to show, and it, you know, it's run, Playboy's run by men, so they wanted me to show the women yeah. old frontal, yeah. and, you know, I was very shy about that. I would show breasts and try to avoid anything else, but they wouldn't let me show the men, and I just think that's just, just so hypocritical. It is a little weird. <laughs> hmm. oh, women want to enjoy men's bodies as well on film, so it, it was really tough dealing with them, you know. So, so where did that, where did you learn, like, this is another question, where did you learn the film industry, like, as far as making as, as film? As far as filmmaking? Right. I, I, I studied film um, just on my own for years. Like, I would, you know, get into the European filmmakers, the Italian neorealists. I would go through all these periods and I would watch and dissect how they set up shots and how they worked with actors and and then I had friends in the industry here in L.A. who worked, you know, in the in commercials and stuff and got a producer, my friend Natalie, to help me out and put together a little budget and, and got some money to do this trailer and just started directing. And, See, you know, it's it's you need a lot of money to be a director. You've got to, yeah. you, mm. you know, it's really well, that, hard to finance. That's it. actually segueing to where, like, we're, you know, we're talking about you know, people trying to become musicians and you basically have to do a million different things now to try to turn a profit or get attention. Yes. And I feel like yes. you were still, you were doing that decades ago, you know, a little bit of everything here. How were you staying afloat though? Like as you were doing independent music, independent film, mm -hmm. you know, dabbling in things, how are you surviving through this monetarily and just, because right, you, you right. do, you can't just float around with it with no home base. I'm curious how you got through that. Yeah. Well, the way I got through it was that it, like I did a tour with tears. The last big uh, thing I did musically was with Tears, tears for, for Fears. Fears. I did yeah. this. So mm. the Sowing the Seeds of Love tour was incredible. We were on the road for nine months wow. um, all over the world. It was a wonderful tour. And before that, for many, many years, I'd been able to make a living yep. as a songwriter in, in the music business and, you know, performing and whatever. And then after the Tears for Fears uh, uh, tour, I um, decided I just couldn't deal with the music business anymore. So I moved out to L.A., had friends who worked in the commercial industry, and I started writing treatments for commercial directors and music video directors. Uh, of course like, for did. instance, Of course. <laughs> naturally came. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the ID so, came in the uh, factory the one yeah, day. Yeah. I was connecting some wires. I'm like, you know, it'd be great. <laughs> Man, I got I got sick of doing Tears for Fear, so I just made Playboy movie, and then I did commercials and, and treatments, and and I, oh, we didn't even get to your books yet. We're gonna get to that next too. <laughs> no, but I I learned a lot doing that too. You know, writing treatments, but uh, right. no, it's you know I was able to earn a really decent living as a ghostwriter for a long time. Nice. And then I started writing the books. Well, let's let's jump right into that. The new the new book um, is Twist. Correct is the name. Mm -hmm. of the, I just yeah. don't want to mess it up. Uh, yeah. And now I, I was trying to kind of wrap my head around this. So this is a, a three part series, but it's told through a character you made up. Is that correct? Or 
kind of help, um, help me through this here. Okay, so it's it's a trio of memoirs, and okay. Twist, An American Girl, is the first of the three. Peter and the Wolves, which I released a couple of years ago, right. is the bridge book in the middle. And then I'm also working on a book about the New York scene, a memoir. But okay. but uh, but the childhood book was so hard to write. It was something I I've been working on for like God since the late seventies. But because it was such a dark childhood, it took me a long time to find the right voice for it. And I thought, you know what? I'm just going to create this character, and she's going to become like my armor to go through the kind of battle zones of my childhood to be able to tell the story in first person, you know, and it really worked. It, you know, it, it took me a long time to find that voice into the story, but, but that's the only fictional name that I use in the trio of, of memoirs. Hmm. Now, was there any thought like most people when they write their memoirs, it's all in one. Was it, just your thought process, I got to break it up, or was there just something about, I can only deal with this now, and then I'll come to the rest of the life later? Well, as, as you guys have heard in the last like, 20 minutes, <laughs> I've, I've kind of been around. <laughs> so, so this, to, this, is where, this is where she's going to tell us, I had this idea for Star Wars. Uh, we yeah. did the middle... <laughs> the middle for when, I, when I was on that spaceship... <laughs> See, that's the thing I'd be worried about. By breaking up in three books, I would be done in the first book, and like midway through the second one, it's like, oh crap, I forgot that stuff for the first one. Yeah, Dang yeah. it! Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I just really, uh, you know, I thought about it in an episodic way, and I, I, you know, they're they're very self-contained about three different periods of my life, and I thought, you know, like the Peter and the Wolves book is much shorter than Twist, um, and I, I don't know how long No New York is going to be yet, but. Uh, yeah, they they were just very three distinct periods of my life. What like if people are going to like they they're hearing this interview or or are looking at your site and and they want to get into Twist or or mm-hmm. know a little bit about it? What what types of stories are are you telling in that? Is there something you can give us that you know you, you said you had this childhood that you were working through? Like what's something that was maybe really hard to get through and put onto paper? My schizophrenic mother. Yeah, yeah. My mother was uh, diagnosed as a a paranoid schizophrenic. And, um, you know, my father wasn't around to support us. So it was, and we were, you know, we were poor. And she could be really wonderful and really abusive. Um, But I was taken out of the home at 11. Uh, Foster homes, good and bad. Uh, Reformatories, Catholic nuns. There was it was kind of like the equivalent of the of the Magdalene laundries in Ireland, but it was the same, not as draconian, but the same order of nuns who, you know, would have these homes for what they considered wayward girls. I mean, they don't call them reformatories anymore. Now they call them camps, It's kind of a benevolent Mm, or benevolent word for them. You know, even just that um, term wayward girls is like, I know it it, Mm. like hurts, you know, rich. It's rich, but it hurts, you know. Um, But yeah, yeah. There was a crazy doctor at Mary Crest, the Catholic girls home who tried to hypnotize me and and describe me cannibalizing my mother. I mean, nuts (sighs) stuff. You know, that would go on back then that would be he'd be in jail for 
for anything like that today, you know. And uh, and then I was in a reform school where, you know, we created our own little society of pimps. And I mean, it was like crazy stories um, that are alternate realities that people really don't see in books or on films. And 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 I think that just for that, that it's it's an interesting ride. It's not people have told me that they don't think there's any self-pity in it. And that it's not like a misery memoir because, uh, you know, I I, sur- I survive in a way that, in some ways, is very joyful despite all the traumas and the and the darkness. I I, I always find the light somehow as a kid, you know. Mm. And you've done a lot of good work since then. You've done workshops with the homeless, songwriting camps for the incarcerated. Yeah, yeah. When, yeah. when you're just out of curiosity, like when you're in a project, are you like one of those focus on doing one thing or are you more ADHD where you got 12 things going at the same time? If um, she's, if she says focused on one thing, I'm going to be blown away. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, for instance, I can't, I cannot um, volunteer right now, which hurts my soul because I'm doing too many things. I, you know, mm. I, I'm working on music and I'm working on two more books right now. So, so I just don't have the bandwidth right now, but I do want to get back to it. That was really an exciting experience and a moving experience was going into prisons with Wayne Kramer from the MC five and doing songwriting workshops with the incarcerated. I mean, the, you know, the, it was so moving to hear some of these guys, what they were writing about and, and the women too. Um, but in, in an interesting way, the guys were even more vulnerable than the women were. The women were more guarded and defensive, and the guys were just like letting it all out, writing the songs, you know, really going there. It makes you wonder if, if it's because like it, it, men, men are often very guarded outside of prison sometimes. And yes. It makes you wonder like mm. if they landed in the prison, like, okay, like there's nothing left to. Nope. Nothing left to lose. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it was really interesting. I would come out of there sometimes like just weeping because it was so moving what these guys would write, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Adele, your life is is beyond interesting. And I, I love talking to people who are who have their hands and everything are trying different things, uh, regardless of age, regardless of decade, doing what what they want to do. Um I would love to have you on again when the next when the next project comes out. Oh, thank you. Um, It'll probably be about ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you guys, shucks. (laughs) Um, If people want to check, like, want to check out your or the book that's coming out, um, or or get a hold of Twist, or or even just get in 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 touch with you, because they might be interested in various things you have done and come across you in different ways. Where's the best place for them to go? Well, you know, my website, www.adelberte.com. Um, there's a lot of information there. Um, I don't I don't open the portal to everyone, you know, but I have people that they can contact if they want to get in touch with me or on Facebook or Instagram. You know, mm-hmm. I'm on both mm-hmm. of those platforms as well. If people want to send me messages right. um, or, you know, you can get I, I have contacts or to get in touch with me through the website on my website. So. And where can they get Twist? Where can they they purchase um, Twist? Twist is going to be that'll be available starting March fourteenth okay. in 
in most bookshops, Independence and Barnes and Noble and, oh, awesome. you know, the bigger and, and also Amazon, of course, you know. Great. Um, yeah. And there'll be an audio book as well. Awesome. Adele, thank you so much for your time. Uh, really thank appreciate you. really appreciate talking to you and uh, and just picking your brain a little bit. Oh, thanks. It was really uh, fun talking to you guys. All right, Mike. It's pretty cool. We had Adele on the podcast. I, I still can't figure out what she has not done. And all. was she was she jumping out of an airplane as we were interviewing her? Um, there's a good chance she had that. She was really stable, though, so I'm not sure. Yeah, um, really good microphone to block out the uh, background. The background noise, though. Yeah, what a fascinating interview. She's. I feel like she's one of those ones you could bring on once a year and be like, tell me 20 new stories, you know, for the, for the next half hour. So uh, really good interview. So go check her out. Go check, it, check out Twist, her new book coming out. I think she said March 14th, correct? March, is it, mid-March. Yep, March mid-March. 14th. Yeah. What do you got, Mike? Well, Scott, I mean... Seamless as our podcast is, uh, we yeah. What are we bouncing to now? We went from yeah, yeah. we went from hawks. Uh, mm-hmm. We went from Disney vacation we went yep. to illegal animals to a woman uh, who played for Tears for Fears and Wendy Houston. What, where are we going now? Where are we going? Well, I mean, what I was going to say, Scott, <clears> is <throat> what what seamless is that uh, when I was on vacation, we still put out a podcast Absolutely. that week. You know, so we. And everything recorded and ready and stuff like that. Um, I will say we're we we're, was, we're kind of back to uh, we we've patched it up over the last couple of months. No no little breaks. Absolutely, yeah, we keep it going. So, uh, but you know, the week I was out was Valentine's week. Oh, and, yeah. you know, that's a very special, loving, erotic experience. So I said to myself, now that I'm back. Little, little fan fiction. Oh little fan boy! Fiction oh boy! Okay, let's 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 back it up for a second so we can let the audience know where the hell this is coming from. Um, also, I got my wife a uh, honey badger for Valentine's Day. It wasn't well received. Ooh. Wasn't well received. Um, anyway, um, so Mike now. Oh boy! Um, <laughs> how do we explain this one? Um, so M- Mike. I don't know. One day I'm like, <laughs> you know, we always talk a little bit before the show. Believe it or not, there is some planning, you know, like, do we have, yeah. do we have any kind of content? Is there something going on? Do you have a game? Like, sometimes we don't want to both come with like big, long bits or great stories or average stories, <laughs> as most people probably think. But one day Mike's like, well, yeah, I got, I got something. Like a throw. No, that's not how I put it. I'm like, I mean, I guess I may have something. Uh, I kind of came up with some erotic fan fiction. Yeah. And then uh, there was like a little gap in the in the response. And then Scott was kind of like, what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, it's not only erotic fiction, Mike. It's erotic fan, f- meaning it's guests that have been on our yeah. show before. Yeah. It could be the most I, random. It could be, um, I mean, you you literally did a fan fiction about a doctor that went into caves. Yeah. In yeah, one episode. I did. Mike, I did. I'm, I'm so pumped. So, all right. So, I got to try to figure out who this is about, correct? 
Yeah, yeah, I, I, you may be able to figure out that. I only I got one tonight. I usually have two, but I got this one prepared. I didn't season the second one, so we'll just do one tonight. All right. Well, let me let me get us set up here. Okay. <clears throat> All right. All right, Mike, take us away. We come in to see a loner, shy person sticks to themselves out of fear spends most of their days just doodling pictures on their notebook at the local coffee shop out of the blue they hear a person go your art is beautiful the shy person lifts their head in shock and looks around to see a lady staring across looking at them still a little in dismay and in despair the stranger speaks I apologize. I just noticed you coming in here a few times by yourself, always in your notebook, never talking to anyone. I was so curious. I've been doing my best to see what you were working on. I guess you can call me investigator, but you can call me April. Oh, um, thank, thank you. Um, you know, I really gotta go as he picks up his book and leaves. His fear of talking to someone could not hide his blushing as he left. As he came back from time to time, April always finds a way to get his attention and tries to break through his shyness and talk about his drawings. Why do you draw these comic characters, Kev? I, I guess I was like them. I would like to be like them, strong, confident. You should be like that. You're like four artists in one. It, it, the one thing I do for comfort, what do you do when you go home? The same thing. I just go in my basement and draw. I would love to come over and see your drawings. Why? Probably you think you're going into some sewer. No, I think it will look like a lair. I just, I don't know. Kev, please come out of your shell. Tell me what I can do to make this happen. I I guess I would love to have a meal with you there. I'll bring the pizza. And maybe you can wear... Oh, I know what you like. I will wear that yellow little number you love to you tonight. The shy artist sits there nervously excited for the night to look forward to. He found the person to love his heart and himself. Turtle power. You still there, Scott? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. I'm here. I'm just absolutely baffled that you mm-hmm. you took one of my favorite interviews we've ever done on this show mm-hmm. possibly possibly my top okay hold on there's still erotic music playing in the background <laughs> <laughs> possibly my top top five through ten mm-hmm. I was so excited for this interview yeah we planned for this interview. We mm-hmm. we don't usually plan for any interviews. I have no clue what Mike's asking. 
we wrote down questions. We we had them for a fifteen minute time frame. Mm-hmm. We got them for like twenty three minutes. Um, a legend in our childhood, especially my childhood. He was they were my guys: Leo, Don, Raph, Mike, mm-hmm. my boys. And you just made a softcore porno about my heroes, essentially. Um, you made. So here's a, go ahead. No, no. You made a a erotic fan fiction about Kevin Eastman, the creator yeah. of the Ninja Turtles. Yeah, Scott. If I recall, when I did the last episode, yep, you made two requests. <laughs> You're welcome. What were my requests again? It was him and what will eventually be the cleaned up second story to come at a later date. I'm not going to spoil it now, Scott. Wow. Wow. Mike, like, I love listening to them, Mm -hmm. but I always love to picture you with, like, I don't know, wife goes to bed and you're like, okay, I got a couple hours to myself. Yeah. You go downstairs or wherever you, wherever these creative juices come out of you, mm-hmm. you know, the dogs are asleep and you're like, okay, I've got two hours to myself. I could watch a show. I could, yeah. um, I could do something that will help the family yeah, in some way. I could, I could, I could look for a podcast guest and you're like, you know, you do the old lick of the thumb, get your mm-hmm. notebook out and you're like, it's time. Like, yeah. What? Where's your headspace at when you're writing writing these? It just amazing happens. story. I mean, it just happens. Like this one was literally like, it was later in my work day. I had a little lull today. <laughs> I'm like, all right, I should prepare something. So on the it's company's like, dime, you're writing erotic fan fiction. I mean, technically, laws say I get an hour lunch <laughs> and two 15 minute breaks. So by rule. I'm not so are you like wolfing down time. lunch as you're just ru- penning this masterpiece? I a fish sandwich. Yeah. And yeah. I was just thinking, yeah. what could Kevin Eastman do? <laughs> oh, God. You brought April O'Neil into it, too. Uh-huh. You lo- did, did you? I did. How, clo- how far along was I when you figured it out? Um, I don't know. I had a... I had a inkling that it was him, and then it went off a little. Like you were talking about drawings, and I'm like, okay, we've had a couple artists on. And then when you were like something about yellow, I'm like, oh, there it is. It's April O'Neil in her yellow jumpsuit. Um, <laughs> then I had it, and top five uh, finest cartoon characters ever drawn. Yeah, yeah, Rogue number one for me. Rogue mm. X Men number one. Um, <laughs> oh, and that's a good. That's in my top. That could be number one too. Man. Mike's like, oh, that's, that's gonna be my. That's gonna oh. be my head tonight. <laughs> yeah. Hello, whoever created the X Men, can you come on my show and yeah. then don't listen to next week? <laughs> wow, wow, just wow. That's all I have to say, Mike. Um, great job. I don't know if you even want me to tell you that. Um, well, thank you. Yeah. I, I do appreciate when I come up with this creative stuff that you appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, guys. This is this is what you've been missing. This is what we've been missing for a couple weeks. Um, not even you haven't missed anything, but we missed each other for a few weeks. And uh, hope you enjoyed our episode uh, tonight. Glad to be back. We have a whole bunch of cool stuff coming up. 
Um, we also have, I put out a little teaser. We have a little side content coming out, um, which is going to be called under the name Full Pints. Um, the concept of Full Pints is um, we both really enjoy craft beer um, or analyzing beer. And what we're going to do on that show is we're going to review a beer, but it's really not a beer review show. Um, the show is tied into things we like to do, which is storytelling. Um, so in that show is going to be a pre, uh, first sip, mid sip and last sip review. And every single one of those episodes is going to tie into the name of the beer or the experience with that beer. Um, so we have one coming out very soon, um, from, I'll give you a, a little peek behind the curtain from our friends at Dogfish Head which we had the owner, um, Sam Calagione, uh, on the show twice. So we're, we're look out for that. Uh, Mike, anything to promote before we go? Um, I mean, I'll just bring up Sky Falconry again. I mean, if you enjoyed what I said, like I said, it's beautiful in the, the San Diego, California mountains. Uh, great people to deal with. The birds are amazing. It was the, one of the greatest experiences I've done. Go to skyfalconry.com and book yourself a trip there, and all you will not be disappointed. That's your next challenge. What's that? Erotic Sky Falconry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Why don't you let the bird fly away? Yeah, 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 and we yeah. can do something together. Yeah, yeah. Come back. Why to don't any... you take off that glove? I'm too old for this shit. No, you're not. Um, anyway, um... <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, and I will promote, um, you might have heard it on the pre-roll to this episode, but we have a new sponsor on the podcast, Mike. Um, so joining our show um, is our friends from Drainpour. Um, Drainpour is a um, is a beer website um, with all news stories, all, very serious news stories from the beer industry. Um, mm-hmm. And they come from all over, uh, big supporters of the show. We, we really love them here. So we're very excited to be working with Drainpour. Um, if you want to go check them out, drop check them out at drainpour.beer. Um, that is their website. So um, new sponsor of the show. Very excited to be have another um, sponsor here on the Verbal Shenanigans family. We must be excited to follow my yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. fan fiction. Especially with their first episode here. Um, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, they're probably like, this is great. Yeah, this is a great business decision on our end. Um, this is how we settle you in to understand the ride that's about to come. But all I can tell you is if you like The Onion, Weekly World News, uh, sites like that, go check out Drain Poor. They're great guys over there. Um, other than that, uh, other than that, I would like to thank Adele um, for coming on the show. Um, and please go check us out on all um, streaming platforms. We're basically on every single one um, at this point. So we could tell you Spotify. We could tell you Apple. But we're, we're there. And and if not, type in verbal shenanigans into freaking Google. Um the, the real one, not the not the little kids on TikTok. Not, but, not the Twitch kids, no. <laughs> yeah. But other than that, guys, life is funny. Laugh at it, get the wind at your back. Kevin Eastman is my honey possum.
listening to verbal shenanigans. <laughs>